0: Hey, thanks for joining us online today. I'm Kevin, lead pastor here at Thrive Church. Have you ever met somebody who's become cynical? Like as they got older, they became more cynical. It's not skeptical. It's not, you know, being a little doubtful, but cynical, meaning that they see nothing positive the older they get. Everything is almost like in this Christmas season, bah humbug. Well, during this series called A Grinchy Christmas, we want to show you how we how we become cynics. Maybe you're becoming a cynic and you're realizing it, and you don't like uh, the fact that you're becoming more negative as you get older because of life experiences. We want to show you, and we're going to look at the Grinch because this happened to him as a hopeful young little Grinch. He became what we know uh, you have known as the Grinch. We want to show you how we can become cynics and then the cure for this disease called cynicism how we can move back to having hope again as individuals, how, how we can be healed from our hurts. And so I hope you enjoy this series uh, called A Grinchy Christmas, and I pray that God would heal your heart and help you to destroy cynicism and build hope again in your life.
1: Now, before we jump into the message, I've got to kind of give you a precursor to help you understand what we're going to get into. We talk about a Grinchy Christmas. I want you to take a trip with me, to a time not long ago, we're going to go back in time. I'm not going to use a DeLorean. We're not going to go 88 miles per hour. We're not going back that far. But in the early 2000s, this is before the times of smartphones, where you could have every album and music you could even think of at, the, just at your fingertips. This is before the time of MP3 players. Just before Napster, where you could illegally, quote, quote, download music, or file share, as they called it, to cover themselves. To a time of portable CD players. Now, some of you are like, what is that? Well, a CD is about the size of a DVD, and a portable CD player was about the size of your palm, and you put a CD in it, you'd play it. But if you looked at this thing wrong, if you tapped it, it would skip. And it would be an ugly skip. It would not be a good kind of skip. But I saved up money. Whole $50. I went and got the new Sony Discman. Now, let me tell you, this thing had this new technology, okay, that was supposed to prevent skipping, anti-skip technology. Oh, so pumped. I was so excited because, see, I would, I would hang out with friends. See, I wanted to be the cool kid on the bus that had the CD player. Now, this is back you had to you. You had to smuggle the CD player onto the bus to begin with, and I had the cool headphones where you could disconnect them so you could listen, your buddy could listen, and you were cool. I began to think and imagine what my life would be like, having the only anti-skip CD player. Everyone would want to use my CD player. I, they would give me their batteries so that we could listen to music together. So I bought it. I get it home. I get scissors because it's really difficult to open these packages. And I would, oh, i was so excited. I put my CD in. Am I going to tell you what CD it was? Because you would judge me for it. I went directly outside to where my brothers, my friends, we were out there playing basketball. And I said, guys, check this out. I hit play, and I smacked it because I believed the advertising. That thing skipped so hard, it jumped to another track. My expectations were shattered. They lied to me. So often in our lives, we have these same moments. And maybe for you, it's not with a portable CD player. Maybe for you, it was a job job. You were told these were your expectations. This is what you had to do. And then you get there. And what you didn't realize is they had a back side of the sheet that they didn't tell you about of all the other things that you were going to have to do. Or maybe you had an expectation with a friend or a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And everything just fell apart because expectation met reality. And you experienced disappointment. Now see what happens. When that happens once or twice, it's like, eh, that's Okay. But when these disappointing moments happen over and over and over and over, we begin to catch this disease called cynicism. We become a critic and a skeptic of anything and everyone. That's why I love we're doing this series called A Grinchy Christmas, because there are some of us in here. We are the Grinch. I've been called the Grinch. Now, for me, I'll be honest with you, it's not because of my cynicism. It's because I'm not a big fan of Christmas music, and I don't, I'm i not a big fan of decorating for Christmas. Now, let me tell you, our decorations are awesome, but I don't, I don't really care for them because that means I have to work and I have to do stuff, and I'm very lazy. But some of us, we're Grinch because we've been disappointed over and over, time and time again. You see, the Grinch himself, he's probably... I would probably like to say that he is one of the most known Christmas characters of all time. Like it's so widely known that we can say a Grinchy Christmas and everyone exa- knows exactly who we're talking about. If we were talking about the elf in the Rudolph movie, say I don't even know his name. But the Grinch, we can all connect with. And we love the Grinch. Why? Because the end of the story. How his heart grew three times that size that day. And he lifted all the toys up and saved Christmas. That's why we love it. But the truth is, a lot of us, we're on the front end of the story. But see, the Grinch was never always, he wasn't always the Grinch. At one time, he was a little boy that had hope. That he enjoyed life. That he loved Christmas. Until his hope was shattered. And then it became his mission, not just to hate Christmas, but to ruin it for everyone. To even lie to little Cindy Lou Who, who was taking the Christmas tree to get the lights checked out. No, no. He was trying to destroy their hope. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs because, no, I'm not preaching the Grinch. I'm preaching the Bible. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Turn with, that. turn with me there in your copy of God's Word. You see, the author of this book in Proverbs, his name was Solomon. He was the wisest man ever, one of the richest kings ever. And this book of Proverbs is basically these these list of wisdom sayings. Like if you want to get wise, if you want to get some wisdom, read Proverbs. I love uh, one thing Pastor Kevin, he says often a proverb a day will keep ignorance away. So there's 31 Proverbs, read one every single day, and there you go, you'll, you'll get smart. But we're going to read this, and I, and I love the way Solomon wrote it. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred. Hope shattered, hope destroyed, hope dashed. And when it happens to us over and over and over again, it says our heart becomes sick. What does it become sick with? We become sick with cynicism. That anytime we are approached with a new endeavor, anytime we meet someone new, anytime we have a problem, anytime we face anything, we filter it through with cynicism because of past hurt. We don't look at things with hope. We look at it with hurt. And this is what I want you to write down. This is our big idea today. This is what everything, the central thought of the message, write this down in your, your notebook, your hand, neighbor's hand, your, your pants leg, whatever it takes. But cynicism begins when hope is shattered. If you want to know when do you start becoming cynical, it's when your hope is destroyed. And again, like I said, this it, is not a one-time gig. It's when it happens over and over and over again. And I want to go ahead and kind of give a quick disclaimer You're going to leave here excited. You're going to leave here pumped. Man, I'm going to fight cynicism. It's going to be awesome. But understand, it's an ongoing process. Just like if you were to become a cynic, it takes time for you to become anti-cynical, if that's even a thing. It's going to take time. It's going to take us being intentional. You see, we're going to read in just a moment from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. You can go and turn there if you want to. You see, this is another book that Solomon wrote. The same guy that wrote this book of wisdom sayings, he wrote Ecclesiastes. Now, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, let me go ahead and let you know, he was towards the end of his life, and he was an old, bitter, cynical old man. You see, if you want to read some scripture to get encouraged, to get pumped up, don't read Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is not about passion and encouragement. It's about perspective. Perspective. And what we're going to read here, again, this book that probably should have been called Debbie Downer instead of Ecclesiastes, which means the, uh, the preacher. We're going to read what Solomon was talking about towards the end of his life. This is what it starts with, chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Solomon is so encouraging. Tell us more, Solomon. Tell us more. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I looked to myself, look. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief to increase knowledge only increases sorrow. There is no hope for any of us, apparently. Thank you so much, Solomon, for your encouragement. Because he begins saying there, everything is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. It's a reoccurring theme that, ha- that occurs throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes. This book that is written by the wisest man, one of the richest kings, and he's a cynic. Because he, just like us, has left with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But see, he wasn't always like that. He also wrote another book called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, depending upon the Bible translation you're reading from. It's about the love and intimacy between a husband and wife. He wrote Proverbs again, which was full of wisdom and encouragement. And then at the end, he wrote Ecclesiastes. And what we have to see as we look at the life of Solomon, our own lives personally, even the life of the Grinch, is that every cynic started with hope. Every person that is a cynic, that is cynical, that is a skeptic of everything and everyone, at one point in time did have hope. And what we have discovered and what we're going to talk through today is how do we get back to that? How do we get back to living in a place of hope instead of a place of hurt? And see, kind of the first thing we have to understand is that there, basically, how do we become cynical? You know, you're talking about cynicism. Well, how does that even happen? There are two main roads, two main paths, if you will, to cynicism. The first road to cynicism, if you're like, I want to learn how to be cynical, this is what you have to do. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations are one of the main ways that you and I, we can become cynical. Because just like me and my portable CD player, just like you and your situation, listen, I'm going to tell you the most incredible thing that talks about unmet expectation. It's called McDonald's. (laughs) I roll up to the drive-thru. I see this picture of a number one, the Big Mac. I'm like, whew, I want some of that. I get a number one. And because I don't care about myself, I got a, I got a large with a large fry and a large Coke. Don't you judge me. You're going to do it when you leave here. And I get home. I'm excited. I open up that bag. I pull out the cardboard box because it deserves to be in a box. And I open that. Oh, I open it up. And I'm devastated. It looks like they took buns and their secret sauce and the cheese. And they ran it through a grinder and just dumped it into the box. But see, that's what happens to all of us. We have this fake picture, this high expectation of something about someone, about some job, about some activity. And then we get home, we open the box, and it is nothing like we expected. And what happens is over time, that happens over and over and over and over and over again. And so we're like, you know what? I'm not even going to have an expectation. I just don't even, I don't even care anymore. We become cynical. We lose hope. We start walking around like this, not literally because you'd be weird, but we start doing like this because we don't want anyone to get past. No, you ain't getting in here, man. This this is not going to happen. I've been through this, got the T-shirt. Unmet expectation. You want to know how to become a cynic? Look out for unmet expectations because they will ruin our lives. Here's the second path, the second road to cynicism. It's broken relationships. Broken relationships. You see, God created us for relationship, which is the ironic part. God did not create us to live life alone in isolation. But here's what happens. As we live in cynicism, we begin to isolate. We, being, we start doing exactly what the Grinch did. See, I don't know if you knew this, but the Grinch lived in a mountain in a cave with a dog named Max. That was it. No one, nothing, didn't want anyone. Why? Because of cynicism. And see, a lot of us, you know, all of us are going to have broken relationships. We're going to have a time where a friend is going to stab us in the back. We're going to have a time where our spouse is going to disappoint us. Again, I'm an expectation. We're going to have a time where our job is going to ruin anything that we wanted to do because they didn't tell us everything on the front end. See, for me, I'll tell you personally, it started when I was seven years old. That's when cynicism began to creep in. I remember sitting at a kitchen table, uh, with my, my me, and my brothers. I have two other brothers, my dad, and my mom. And I find out that night at seven years old that my mom was not my biological mother. That my biological mother uh, abandoned us when we, me, and my brothers, when we were two months old. And see, for me, that's where it started. It was a broken relationship. Well, the mom that I never knew that began to start making me keep my hand out, like, you know what, you're going to leave me too. Why would I share life with you if you're just going to break me also? And when these things happen over again, we become cynical to the point we don't want to trust people. We can't trust them at their word. Why? Because the last one I couldn't trust them. Why would I trust this one? We begin to continue to live from a place of hurt instead of a place of hope. And let me encourage you, God doesn't want you to live from a place of hurt. As we're sitting in here, as you're hearing me talking, this may stir up moments of your past life, of everything you've experienced. And this may even be a painful thing for you to even think of. I want to encourage you and say that allow God to use this moment, this message to help you move forward. And just like I said earlier, cynicism, moving beyond this, living from a place of hope, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen just because you heard this great message. You're going to walk out, man, this is, golly, man, this is fantastic. No, no. Those memories, those moments, you're going to pop back in your head and you're going to have to re-forgive. You're going to have to reprocess. You're going to have to rethink. You're going to have to remember to live from a place of hope, not of hurt. Just like Keith said, it's a process. But the main ways that you and I, that we become cynical, that we stop trusting, we start having these fake conversations in our head is with um, um-expectation, with broken relationships. Now, that's how you get there. Some of you are thinking, that's great. I might be there. How do I know if I'm cynical? I might be a cynic. Help me, Keith. I need to know if I'm cynical. I have four signs to tell you if you are a cynic or not. Because, see, here's the truth. I was having a conversation just earlier. There's a difference between being cynical and being a cynic. See, being a cynic, being cynical can be helpful. Helps to critique. But when you filter everything through it, you're a cynic. But here, here's, here's a test you can give yourself. One is that do you resent those who are having hope or joy? Do you resent them? That when you see someone having something that you can celebrate, something you could be happy with them for, do you celebrate or do you pop their balloon? When you scroll through Facebook, when you scroll through Instagram, and you see somebody, I just got my, I got a new house, I got a new car, we're on vacation, man, my marriage is fantastic. When you hear these things, do you celebrate with them? Or do you resent them? Do you see this thing? I can go on vacation. If that's what you do, if you look like that, you're a cynic. You're grinching it up all over the place. The other option is to celebrate them. And when I say that, I don't mean that fake comment that you put on Facebook that says, congratulations. I mean, actually being joyous for them so that's what we have to decide when you see someone that has hope when you see someone that has joy do you celebrate with them or do you resent them here's the second sign you need to look for maybe you don't have a problem with that the second sign is that you are not willing to risk you aren't willing to risk you see being a follower of jesus christ at one point in time or another is going to call you to take a risk it's going to call you to take a step of faith Maybe that's in serving. Maybe that's in uh, sharing the gospel with a friend or a neighbor. Maybe that's trusting God in finances. Maybe that's joining a small group. Whatever that step is for you, when we are living a life where we're cynical, we don't want to take that step again. We're keeping everything at arm's distance because I ain't getting hurt again. Last time I did that, this is what happened. I ain't, uh, uh-uh. We have to be willing to take that step. I'm going to tell you It's scary. It's difficult. You see, my biological mother, um, the week that me and my brothers turned 18, she decided to show up. She found us. And I had a decision to make. I was new to following Christ, and I could have done what I wanted to do, which is tell her what I really thought of her and tell her off and never talk to her again. But I decided to try and work through and forgive her. And let me go ahead and tell you something. That's something I still do. I did not forgive her on that day some years ago. I still have to do it today. Because again, battling cynicism means being intentional and in it's intentionality over a span of time. And God is going to call you to do something. Again, it, shoot, it may be with the accelerant offering. Shameless plug. Allow yourself to trust God. Because living like this is you still trying to trust in people. And people are going to fail us. I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail me. That is human nature. But God will not. So when we take that step, when we take that step of faith, when we take that risk, we have to do it knowing that God is for us, that God is going to guide us through it, that he is going to protect and provide for us in that moment. So you may be thinking, well, Keith, I have no problem risking. I have no problem celebrating with people. Maybe I'm not a cynic. Maybe you're not, but there's two other signs that we have to look through. Hold your horses. The next one is that you have lost passion. You have lost passion. You've lost passion to learn. You've lost passion to love. You've lost passion to do anything. Because see, when you're a cynic, you want to isolate. I remember for me... And for a lot of us, it's kind of like, every, it's like everything has like what I call the honeymoon period. Anything new, you're like, oh, wow, this is incredible. A new TV, a new car, new jacket, new friendship, new anything. You're like, man, this is great. This is, you're passionate about it. But eventually that passion wears down. See, passion, it goes like this. It doesn't go all the way up all the time. Some of you, I'll be honest with you, Your passion, when you woke up this morning and you heard the rain outside and you heard the pitter-patter, your passion and desire to get up may not have been at a level 10. Mine wasn't either. I wake up early so I can hit the snooze button. That's how I roll because I love sleep. Listen, your passion is not always going to be at a level 10. Maybe like this. And that's okay. So here's the fourth sign that you might be a cynic is you don't want others to experience broken hope. You don't want others to experience broken hope. Now, at face value, this seems like a good thing. It seems like, well, of course, I, I, I'm going to tell someone about my experience so they don't have to experience it. Yes, but the question is, are we doing it because we're hurt or are we doing it because we have hope? One of the greatest examples of this or parents with new kids. When you find out that you're with child, everyone's excited for you. They're, oh, I'm so excited. You're going to love being a mom. You're gonna love being a dad. And then you have the child. And then all of those same people that were so encouraging do the exact opposite. Oh, welcome to the party. You're going to love changing diapers every day. They're very discouraging. That's what happened to me. But you see, In in these moments of our lives, when you see someone get a job that you had, when you see someone and their relationship is going down the same road that you were in, when their kids are acting the way your child did, our immediate response is, yeah, but just you wait. And we have this pose like we know better because we've had hurt and pain, but the truth is what we need to do is give wisdom and hope, not wisdom and discouragement. Because when, when we live from a place of cynicism, we want to almost like we want to shout it that we've been hurt. Don't you do it. They're going to fire you like they fired me. Live from a place of hope, not hurt. Now, as you're sitting here, as we're all tracking through this, we've learned what it, how, how do we get there? How do we become a cynic? We've learned how is it that, uh, well, how do we know if we're a cynic? And this is why this is so important. Because if we don't get this, if we ignore this, we're going to stay like the Grinch. We're going to stay isolated. And it's going to be very difficult for us to be obedient to what God wants us to do. Because we're going to second guess everything God wants us to do. Well, I could share the gospel, but he's just not going to listen. He's going to look at me in a different way. I could do. And we start second, because again, we're scared to risk. We're scared to step out. So what do we do? What are we supposed to do? How do we apply all this? Because this has been very discouraging, Keith. You're sitting up there, standing up there, uh, calling us cynics, and we've got to figure this out and process this. What do we do? This is our next step, you and me. And again, this is not a one-time gig. This is a journey and process. Is we need to trace our cynicism back to the root. We have to trace our cynicism to where it started. I love when you read about the life of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter six. He was there with a group of, of guys and they were chopping down trees, okay? And they didn't have chainsaws back then. They were, they, were, they were hardcore manly men. I pictured them in beards because I can't grow one. And they were just chopping trees, chopping trees. And this one guy, while he's chopping the tree, is, is like an epic fail video. The ax head flew off and went into the river. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And again, it did exactly what uh, gravity's supposed to do. It sank straight to the bottom. Now, see, for us, we read it, but for them, this is their livelihood. This is what he needed to provide. This is what he needed to accomplish the task at hand. And Elisha asked him one question. Where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? The man pointed to the area there in the river, and with God's power, Elisha caused the axe head to float, and he was able to retrieve the axe head and go back to accomplishing what he was supposed to be doing. Where did you lose it? For me, it was at a kitchen table, seven years old. And because I know where it started, I know how to process. Because see, the importance of all this information is not so that we know, it's so that we can be aware for the future. It's not so we can sit here and think about the unmet expectations and not so we can sit here and think about the broken relationships. It's so that we can be on the lookout so that we can now filter these moments as they happen because they're still going to happen. We're still going to have unmet expectations. We're going to still have broken relationships because we're all human, but now we can better filter them through a life of one with hope instead of one with hurt. And understand, again, just like that moment with Elisha and the axe head, Elisha didn't reach into the water and fish it out. With God's power, it floated to the top. And I want to give you some encouragement and reminder, you can't do it yourself. There is no way that you and I, we can balance this tension of cynicism on our own. We need God's power moving and working in our lives. Because naturally, I'm a cynic. And guess what? Naturally, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being the jerk. I'm okay with being the guy that literally meets every piece of criteria that we just read through. But you know what? That is not the life that God's called me to live. This is not the life that God's called any of us to live. Because See, listen, some of you are like, man, Keith, you're really harping on being a cynic, but I'm not a cynic. You may not be. But here's the good news. Your neighbor might be. Your coworker might be. And you can take this information and you can copy and paste and send this as an email. Hey, I saw you struggling. Now again, don't be a jerk about it. Don't be a cynic about it. But just like the Grinch who lost hope, became a cynic, he began to live from a place of hope as his heart grew three times size, I believe that God is going to work in our lives, not just today, but through this entire series and help us to move from living from a place of hurt because it's easier, because it's a lot easier to, to keep people away than to let them in. I know it because I've done it. But when we get to live from a place of hope. That means you get to share life with people. You get to encourage each other. That when they go through tough times, you can encourage them. Instead of saying, well, I told you so. You say, hey, listen, let me pray for you and let's get through this together. Because we are together. God made us to share life together. Church is nothing more than a bunch of people trying to find friends together. That's it. As we journey with God. And there are people in this room that if you're going through a tough time, if you're going through hurt, we want to be there with you. We want to be there for you. But as we process this, as we discover where it started, as we discover how we can manage these unmet expectations, these broken relationships, again, it's only with God's power. We cannot do it by our own strength because we'll lose patience. We'll default back to be more of the Grinch, to be in like Solomon in Ecclesiastes, instead of Solomon in Proverbs. So we need God's help with this. If you would pray with me this morning.